0: And this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 95. I'm Dr. Ryan Gray from Mapped. And medical school headquarters, as always, I'm joined by the marvelous mapped team, starting uh, in the top, Dr. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, Mm -hmm. retired executive director of TMDSAS, you have to say it with your pinky out, uh, or else it's not right. How are you That's doing, right.
1: my friend? Ah, Doing really well. Uh, enjoyed getting to meet a bunch of students in Washington at the AMSA conference. And it was nice to finally meet Verinia face-to-face. Uh, mm-hmm. First opportunity for that. So I'm doing really good. How are you, Ryan?
0: I am wonderful. We got to hang out. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good. Speaking of Verenia, Verinia Granham, former How assistant dean <laughs> of Free Health and STEM Advising at yes. Hofstra. Pinky, up. Yes. pinky out. Another pinky out place. Um, that's good. That's good. Awesome. Um, yeah. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. It was awesome
0: to be in,
2: at the AMSA conference and, and be around students again in, in, in person yep. in the flesh and of course meeting the amazing Dr. Wright and Dr. Gray himself <laughs> in the flesh. Um, yep. Glad to be here. I missed as the dean. It's been like two weeks now that I've wasn't here for it so it was like exciting to finally
0: be back here with you all yay and last but certainly not least mapped co-founder rachel grubbs with lots and lots and lots of experience in the pre-health pre-med and mcat world how are you my friend
3: i'm good i'm uh i held down the fort last week while you guys traveled Mm -hmm. so even though I was here, I didn't do Ask the Dean solo. So it's very exciting to have the gang back together. Thank
0: Absolutely. You. Yes. You are the last one that we have not met. Uh, for for many people. It's funny, <laughs> Scott. I don't know if you got the sense when we were talking about the map team and and kind of the company. And I'm like, Yeah, we this is the first time meeting Varinia and and, uh, and They we were all, all like, Wow They're like, yeah. <laughs> how, do, how do you run a company like that? Like <laughs> right. you just do. Yeah, it's 21st it's century. Possible. Yeah,
3: people are like, oh, but you've met Ryan. And I'm like, nope. Nope. I mean, I've known Ryan for about six years now, and Ryan and I have never had a handshake. It's a testament <laughs> to the
2: chemistry, right? It's That's right. It's all about good people being surrounded by good folks. So,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, you
2: should get – sorry. I was going to say I, I want to get T-shirts that say, like, Marvelous Map Team, so when we yeah. travel together –
0: the marvelous map team.
2: We
3: can use
0: the marvelous scriptural
3: font. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> that's right. Love it. Um, Love it. I'm right. getting uh, Instagram set up. I uh, forgot to do that.
3: Oh. Oh so. uh, well, then I guess telling people to post on YouTube is not necessary yet, because so far all our viewers are on YouTube and Facebook. So yeah. go ahead and type in questions while Ryan's getting set mm-hmm. up. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a couple weeks. You guys probably know the drill. It's live Q and A chat in your. Typing your question. The goal is a little context, so we understand why you're asking, but also keeping it pithy, keeping it to one text box. If you have to split, spread it out into two boxes, that means your question's not short enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we pro- probably won't get to everyone. We rarely do, but we'll try to get to a wide association
1: of questions. Lots, lots. Yes, lots of questions. Absolutely. And I wanna I wanted to just mention, Ryan, while you're doing that, I I wanted to just mention, you know, this is the time of year for those people who are applying this year, uh, where things start really becoming Mm -hmm. real real. Mm And uh, when they start when you guys in the pre in the pre-med world start freaking out because there's lots of details and there's lots of things to do. And I I really just want to encourage everyone out there that's listening or watching uh, that, you know, this is a time to really focus in on what on the day to day. Activities that you're about and and really planning out things because if you look at the big picture, it's going to be overwhelming. So focus in on the what do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? To, you know, I'm going to study MCAT for this amount of time today. I'm going to work on my personal statement for this amount of time today. And really schedule that out and and manage your time appropriately. But you can do this. You can you can make it through this process every you know every year thousands of people are able to do it and you can do it too so just kind of keep that keep that motivation and that positive thinking optimism about you and and just do the next thing that you have to do to make the process work that's right love
0: it as the great uh uh, Schneider, Rob Schneider says yes. in uh, in uh, uh, Water Boy, you can do it, you can do it, <laughs> you can
2: do it <laughs> one step at a time.
1: One yeah. of the great classics. I <laughs> thought you were going to talk about him on Saturday Night Live saying oh. you're you're the 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 printmaster, you're the what, what was that that he did? You know, no in the print, he was in the in the uh, copy room, the copymeister, okay. the copymeister. I don't know that's good. Okay, never I'll mind. Check it out. That's old. All right.
0: That's old
3: yeah, it is an old school, and I remember it, Scott. Sure, uh, let's let's dig in. Amy's got a yes. question about activities.
0: Amy, in the activities section, should we write a sentence of why we left the position? I have two clinical experiences that were six months each, left one due to location, and another due to MCAT prep. Vernia, what do you think?
2: No, I don't think so, Amy. You don't have to worry about that. That's kind of a waste of character space. They don't really need to know they're not going to be you know, ask why didn't you stay there? Things happen. Um, focus on the impact of the activity and, and what you did there. And don't worry about why why you left. If yeah. it comes up in an interview, you talk about it then.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the one potential exception is if like it was like a week long, a month long, like right, <laughs> right. super, super short and mm-hmm. it happened to be like February to March of twenty twenty. You're like, yeah, COVID kind of shut this down. Yeah. Yeah. But then it'd be kind of expected too, yeah. just looking at the dates. So
3: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Nice, nice, Lilith. Uh, what does a strong letter of rec entail, Scott? Uh, you are the uh, maestro mm-hmm. of competencies, mm-hmm. the composer of competencies. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the core competencies in the letter. Yeah, of
1: rec. you know, I think um, Lilith that uh, and and the rest of you listening that that this is a good question, and I think what you want to uh, aid your letter writers in is, is helping them understand what, what are the expectations out of a letter of recommendation. You want it to be strong and you want to ask your letter writer, can you write me a strong letter of recommendation and, and let them respond to that. Uh, and w- what, it, what it really, I, I think a good strong letter of recommendation really is about being able to talk about the applicant in a way that makes it clear that they are that they know you well and uh, that it's not just they had you in class or that you've come by their office a couple of times, but it's that they really understand who you are and what you're all about. The AAMC actually has a, uh, a document uh, that that is, is I think, you know pretty helpful for uh, yeah. letter writers. Uh, it's a PDF that if you'll just go to uh, Google and type in, Uh, Yeah. uh, Google (laughs) AAMC letter of recommendation guidelines. Absolutely. And it'll come up. And so what I suggest is that you send that to your letter writer uh, along with your personal statement, maybe a resume if you want, whatever. And just uh, send those three documents. Let the letter writer see all those. But that double AMC document can be very helpful for them to understand what are the core competencies and how do they uh, what what is really involved in a in a, in a appropriate uh, letter of recommendation? So I, I would check that out and uh, send that to. And that's why it was created is for you to send to your letter writers to help them. Great. Yeah, yes.
0: Wit to ask: Can research as a part of graduate class be included as an activity on an application? I worked on a big project related to adult. Survivors of childhood sexual abuse, uh, the Aces uh, probably is about that, and I'd love to include it. Uh, yeah, so this comes up all the time uh, in terms of study abroad stuff, research. That's parts of, that is part of a, a class, whether graduate or undergraduate, and and the the general term that we always throw around for the activity section is the extracurricular activities research always seems to skirt around that rule um and so i don't think anyone would would look twice at that going that was part of your class why are you including this because research is valuable it shows that you're asking questions and and thinking through things so i don't have a problem putting it on what do you think scott
1: yeah, I agree with that. I mean, a you know, letter of the law, yeah, it's extracurricular. It's what it says, but I agree with you. I think if you include it on there, nobody's going to think twice about it. Nobody's going to balk at that for any reason. So, when if it was important to you and you really loved it it got a lot out of it, sure, go ahead and do it.
2: Absolutely.
1: Albert asks, what should you
0: ask during the online virtual fair? So the WAMC and uh ACOM the DO um uh, association, they both have virtual fairs coming up. And so this is an opportunity to interact with schools. Rachel, what do you what do you think students should be talking to uh, schools about? Uh
3: Yeah, I I love this question. And in fact, for our Mapped App users, when I sent some announcements about the fairs, I included a couple tips. Um, So uh, first I'm going to start with what you should not ask. Do not come with a list of questions that could easily be Google, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So what I would recommend is have a little bit of a plan in your mind about which schools you want to visit. Because if there are certain booths or booths right virtual booths you want to stop by you may want to make a point of going to that school's website and just refreshing on the stuff that is available the good news with the virtual affairs you can have those tabs pulled up and right there to glance at um, what you don't want to do is waste someone's time asking them stuff that could be easily looked up on a website um, the kinds of questions that i think are good to ask are ones that are subjective and personal um, What's your favorite thing about this institution? What's something about this this med school or this program that you wish more people knew? Um, you know, uh, questions that kind of elicit a conversation rather than facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where I would start is with questions like that.
1: Yeah. And don't go up there with 14 questions. Yeah. You know. And then and then yeah. and then. Yeah. And and I have yeah, oh, I have another question. And I have another question. And I have another question. You know, yeah. that, that or, you know, you're taking up time from yeah. you know, other students that also want to ask questions. Yeah.
2: Or don't repeat the same question. They may be, you know, chatting with someone else at the same time. So it, they they'll get to you, just be patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that that you know, you don't want to do that constantly harassing mm-hmm. the same question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and that advice that Rachel, you gave in terms of coming with specific non Googleable type questions, that is the same advice when you're interacting Mm -hmm. with the admissions committees, emailing them, calling them Mm -hmm. uh, outside of these career fairs as well or these uh, school fairs.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What you want to think about is you want to make an impression, but you want to make sure that impression is positive to neutral. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes students get so fixated with being on the, um, admissions committee's radar that they may not realize that you can be on the radar in negative ways. Um, so, um, you know, just be a person like just you, you guys all have a decent amount of social skills or you wouldn't have made it to where you are in life. Um, they still apply here. These are just Mm -hmm. regular human beings who are doing the jobs and part of their job is to help identify potential fits for the school, but they're still just people. They're not wizards. Um, (laughs) don't expect them to be able to tell you what is and is not okay. You can certainly ask questions you know, about about policies or procedures. So you know, if you're worried about whether or not a certain letter of recommendation counts as science or not, that's a common question. You know, I took biological anthropology. Can I make the case that it's science? That person that you asked that question of may or may not be the purveyor of that decision, right? So Mm -hmm. just sort of keep in mind that you're having a conversation. You're not there to like get pats on the head or to get definitive yeses and no's. Um, It's much more about trying to get a pulse on the culture and the personality of the school and the school's population. Mm -hmm.
0: They could be wizards. If you're applying to HCOM, the the famous Hogwarts college of osteopathic medicine.
1: Yes.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But those Ravenclaws, man, (laughs) individually, I'm a Ravenclaw individually. We like Claws. You put them all in one group. It's kind of a lot.
0: I don't I don't know why I thought Hogwarts had to be an osteopathic medical school. I think it just fits.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for sure.
2: There's someone out there Googling it right now, I'm sure. I mean, it's very hands-on.
0: I already own the domain. No way. Of course you do. I do. I do. Okay.
3: All right. Uh, let's see.
0: Lindsay asks do you think Californian applicants are at a slight disadvantage because California has some of the best institutions that attract many applicants both out of state and internationally I I, I sense a little hint of some bias here Scott what, what do you think
1: yeah California does have some good institutions I, I grant you that best uh, that's that's pretty. Mm, I, you know yeah there's some good schools definitely yeah um the east coast our, yeah, east, yeah all, east the, coast. all those I, I think the ivy league schools on yeah. the east coast and yeah. whatever yeah um <laughs> uh, but you know to the question i think that um you know i i think california has a lot of applicants uh there are a lot of schools in california but traditionally i think it is tough for uh, students to get into California schools just because they do have a lot of applicant, a lot of applicants, and it, it makes it tough even on California residents. Mm-hmm. And so you see a lot of California residents applying to a variety of schools around the country. Um, so, I but you know I I I don't necessarily agree that that means you don't apply to those. To the california schools i think you you apply but you you know you you apply to a subset of schools outside of california that you're interested in that uh you might be able to uh, also you know get into and so um but i i don't think you know i am not sure I, I i agree in terms of or at a disadvantage because of that i just think yeah. it's the reality of the numbers
3: yeah, yeah. The, the snark in me wants to point out that the main California disadvantage is that Californians tend to think that everyone wants to live there.
0: Mm.
3: When I'm here to assure you, <laughs> many of us are not interested.
0: I um, I, I think the uh, the census would tell you that people are leaving the state more than they're yes. coming to the state in the last right.
1: year or two. Yeah, like, LA like, to
3: Columbus, Ohio, by the way, is a big migration route. Mm.
1: Yes, I was just going to say lots of them are moving to Austin <laughs> yeah, such yeah. that we we often say if you're from California, please don't come to Austin. <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, I'll still
3: take you here in Ohio. I'm taking all the California refugees.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is a- the, the the bigger the biggest issue isn't oh we have the best institutions. The the biggest issue is just sheer numbers, right? Yeah. When you have yeah. one county, Los Angeles County, in California, that has a bigger population than forty states, mm-hmm. right? Mm combined not combined but just 40 states um it's there's just too many students there's just a lot of students in california and there aren't a um uh whatever that word is that i can't think of uh number of medical schools right to go along with those and so proportionate proportionate yes uh proportionate number of medical schools in the state and so you have to apply out of state and and it's just it is what it is yeah Mm -hmm.
3: that's right Yeah. And then the flip side of that is there are students who are in states where there's only one state school, and there's even one or two states that don't have any state schools. Yes. That's right. That's
1: right. So,
3: yeah. Yep. All right. Let's keep trucking here.
0: James asks If I have already talked to all of my LOR writers, what is the deadline that I should tell them that I need their letter by if I want to apply when the application opens? So luckily, James, LORs are one thing that can be changed after you submit your application. Mm -hmm. You do not need letters submitted um, prior to submitting your application. So ideally, uh, the timeline is uh, applications are submitted May and June. Uh, Applications go to medical schools uh, mid-June to late June, uh, TMDSAS, whenever uh, that happens. And then secondaries go out and secondaries are submitted. And you're looking kind of mid-July, late July by the time medical schools have everything in place. uh, Primary, secondary, MCAT score hopefully as well. And then LORs are that last big thing for is the application complete. So ideally, LORs are in by kind of late July. I know a lot of committees don't submit letters until kind of mid to late August that's okay too. Um, So deadline that I typically tell students to give is kind of end of May. And that gives you some wiggle room of like, ooh, they're not showing up or they're ghosting me. I need to go find someone else.
3: Yeah. So everything Brian said is factually correct. And I'm going to offer a different point of view. You've already talked to them. They've given you yeses. Ask them if they can do it in three or four weeks. They're just going to get more and more requests as the spring and summer goes on. If you've got them in your hand, ask them if they can do it now before they forget. Um, I I can't tell you how many Julys I had where I had five or seven um, letters to write. And, you know, if there are people I liked, that I supported, that I wanted to be able to go to med school, I did it. But... Was the caliber as good when I had many to write in the same couple of weeks as the one that I was able to sit and reflect on individually? No, it probably wasn't as good of a letter. You know, I still said good things about the person, but it probably wasn't as well written. I didn't have as much time to be thoughtful. So, um, again, everything Ryan said is factually correct, but there's no reason you can't create an arbitrary deadline for them. Um, nobody needs more than three or four weeks to do it. If you give them eight weeks, they're just going to ignore it for the first six. So... My, my advice is if you've already got a yes, see if you can
0: for get it sooner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Store and to give you the flip side, uh, there was a conversation in the Hangout recently where a student asked a letter writer and they said, uh, I'll submit it by the deadline, which is like <laughs> October 31st or something, uh, which is a school's deadline for AMCAS submission typically. And the student was trying to like say, hey, like, no, that's that's not the there it's rolling admissions i need i need your letter earlier and the, the professor was like no like the deadline's the deadline that's when i'll submit it yeah. and so if you have a professor who is like that say thanks but no thanks and go find yep. another letter yeah. writer
1: just somebody else yeah i hear yeah
3: Actually and the good news is if they're same by October, you can just say nothing to them, go get another one. And then when you actually have the other one in your hand, then tell them thanks, but no thanks. No,
0: that's
3: um, true.
0: That's or if you want to just make them do work because they're being yeah. mean to you, just don't tell them anything and yeah. <laughs> don't use yeah. it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, just that, that that post. I mean, I thought the question asker was fine, right? They were trying to give their professor the letter yeah. of doubt. Like, should I try to explain to him? Should I try to convince him? And I was like, this feels to me like willful misunderstanding. Yeah. Like you cannot pretend med school rolling admissions are not a known and understood thing at this point. Right. You know, twenty years ago there was still some confusion around it. But
0: it mm-hmm. was, yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here's an interesting one.
0: Ben asks, one of the secondary prompts is, quote, what experiences have that what experiences do you have maybe that have prepared you to be a physician? How can I address this without selling? Can I bring in tutoring even though it's not medically related? All right. What do you think, Scott? So t- typically for uh, a lot of our primary application stuff, we try to stay away from selling. At least that's what I talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get very pointed questions like this. That is almost like, Hey, like sell yourself. Tell me, tell me. What's yeah.
1: Going on. Yeah. I, I do think there's an element of selling yourself in, in this kind of a question. And, and I don't think that um, the, the relevant experiences always, always have to be medical, or, are, are healthcare related. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think if you look at the the competencies, uh, the double AMC competencies, and really evaluate what you've done. So, for example, you bring up tutoring. I think that would be a, a extremely appropriate. I mean, it involves uh, a lot of elements that would be very helpful in 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 life as a physician, uh, certainly as life in in medical school. And so, uh, I think that's uh, completely appropriate.
2: Yeah, I would even add, like, look beyond actual skills, right? They're not necessarily looking for, you know, your skills as an EMT, but your competencies, you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, you could argue that everything you've done along the way has been to that goal to prepare you to be a physician, mm-hmm. but you have to show how, and it not, mm-hmm. it doesn't always just mean, well, I know how to draw blood, or I know how to take blood pressure, or, I, you know, I can talk right. to people, I can comfort people during scary times, those types yeah. of um, absolutely
1: Softer okay. skills, mm-hmm
2: yeah absolutely yeah
3: Yeah. right
1: that's a great question
3: Mm -hmm. thanks ben should ben be our
1: oh wait never mind Just a a
0: point of clarification, too, because I get this a lot. Students read my personal statement book and the application process book or through Application Academy. Uh, A lot of the primary application is focused on stories. You have this kind of abstract, why do you want to be a doctor type question for the personal statement. You have the secondary or not secondary. You have the the activity descriptions, which are kind of. Description, kind of abstract, kind of what do I write about here? And so we often talk about stories to show impact and show who you are. And my advice typically is once you get to secondaries, stop with the stories because they're very direct questions. Mm -hmm. And so if I read a story with a very direct question, I I get I get angry, like something inside of me is like, why are you not answering the question? Like very politician, like, like, I like your question. but I'm gonna talk about this over here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. be very direct. Just answer the question with secondaries. I
1: agree. I agree.
3: Yeah, and I mean, even though, like we said, for the primary application, we do often rely more on storytelling, not answering the prompt is one of the most common issues Mm -hmm. we see across all essays for all parts of the application. And also sometimes for interview prep. If you try to force your own agenda against their questions, Mm -hmm. um, it's probably not going to get you the right result.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay, let's see.
0: uh stephanie asks i submitted my application last year before taking the mcat due to covid i had to cancel my mcat exam and it was too late to withdraw can i resubmit the same application for this cycle great question because the the uh the question is typically okay i'm a re-applicant kind of technically sort of maybe uh do i have to redo everything scott Without an MCAT score, most medical schools probably didn't even look at this application. That's right. What do you think about just going, eh, I'm just going to resubmit everything?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would say that's not unreasonable. I, I think you may want to update, you know, there, there may have been some some experiences that you've had uh, that might make it into an activity description or your personal statement that happened in that intervening year. But I agree that the, the likelihood that the medical schools actually even looked at your application is very low. And so, you know, they're not going to know that, you know, this was – last year or whatever and so so i I don't have a problem with that in this particular situation yeah
3: yeah go ahead go ahead the piece that i'm wondering about is it's been a year Mm has really nothing in your life changed
1: right right like that's that's my point
3: may more or less be the same right because like Mm -hmm. often seeds and watering events are much earlier in our life but Mm -hmm. like activities yeah yeah, like Mm -hmm. that it seems a little odd like what have yeah. you been doing for the last year? Is none of that going to show up in your application? Yeah, um, so, so can you resubmit? Yes. Do you want to?
1: Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think especially, like you said, especially in the activities, I think you would definitely want to make some uh, adjustments to that, uh, maybe in the personal statement, depending on what you've done.
2: Yeah. And read through those descriptions. Make sure you're not referencing something that you know, now it's been a year later, and it's going to sound awkward if you're not addressing the fact that it's a year later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't assume that what you've wrote, what you've what you wrote last year is still necessarily uh, up to
3: date. Right. Yeah, it, it's a common question of I'm a reapplicant. What do I have to do differently? And my kind of catch all answer is assume you have to redo it all, and then check it mm-hmm. one by one. And you may mm-hmm. find that lots of the pieces are actually totally fine. Right. But.
1: I would yeah, still be checking advice.
3: them. Yeah, definitely. Get advice.
0: Get advice. All right. Uh, we to take the SJT. Do schools need Casper and preview? So these are the new situational judgment tests out there before secondaries, or can we get these done at the same time as secondaries? So general timeline. First of all, first caveat, every medical school is going to be different. So there may be a medical school out there as part of their process is they want to see the SJT score back before sending secondaries. So that may be a thing. Uh, But I I think a lot of schools just in general will always send secondaries no matter what. And then uh, the SJTs are just part of the the secondary process.
1: And I think a lot of students – kind of freak out about the SJTs a little bit more than they should probably. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not something that you need to spend weeks and weeks and weeks preparing for. Uh, You know, I think a little preparation is appropriate for for Casper and Preview, but I think all in all, you know, a little preparation is fine. Just go ahead and and, and just get it done. But, you know, I I don't think this is something that you're going to spend a whole lot of uh, intense time preparing for, like the MCAT.
0: Yeah. All right. Jacob asks I was planning on taking an EMT course this summer, but I am a community college student and transferring in the fall. Do you recommend waiting until I transfer as other opportunities might open? Yeah. Jacob, I think the question is, do you want to be an EMT? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to be an EMT, then yeah. you're going to need uh, go a yeah. course. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No reason to wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's some assumptions with this question. Like, I don't think you're going to magically see tons of new clinical opportunities open just because you're at a four-year university. Right. Um, right. Um, right. E- EMT is an amazing experience, right? Um, I, one of the things I often see with pre-meds is that they're so used to being good at school that they're trying to find experiences that feel more like school. I think it's part of why research is often a big draw. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, there's no right or wrong choice for clinical, but I love to see people become EMTs because it's the opposite end of the intellectual spectrum, right? Like you still have to use your smarts, but it's, it's you and your wits in the moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like no books, no spreadsheets, right? Um, and I just, I love to see students prove that they get that part of being um, mm-hmm. in healthcare as well. Let's see. I'm jumping around today because we're getting a lot of repeat questions. So,
0: BP asks When does a high school experience rise to the point of being significant enough to be included on an activities and experience essay? So, if you don't know, the general rule of thumb is activities for your medical school applications should be post high school. Activities, Verinium. Cool. Is there anything you can think of that would go rise to, to the point <laughs> of being significant enough?
2: Um, so, generally, we say if it's something that you started in high school and continued while in college, you might bring up. Um, if it's part of why you want to be a physician and you want to talk about it a little bit in your personal statement, that's fine too. Um, but it shouldn't be the the only thing you're talking about there right um and again it's um i can't think of anything off the top of my head but if it's something that maybe maybe research i'm thinking maybe you started some mm-hmm. kind of a research program maybe in high school continued through college or some kind of inactivity um that that's okay that's more appropriate
3: yeah i i feel like the um the wording of the question is getting at the wrong thing like you seem to think this question askers ep seems to think it's about significance when really it's it's simply about timeline is it ongoing or not mm-hmm. right. and and yeah. we see this a lot i mean i can't tell you the number of personal statements i've read that have opened with um being an eagle scout mm-hmm. yes that is super cool yes it's a huge honor right uh, i don't know why people feel so compelled yeah. to shoehorn that in You know, Mm -hmm. like, it's just, it's not that relevant to your journey as a, as a physician. I mean, if you save someone's life while you're out there, then heck yeah, that's a great story. But um, I was a Boy Scout my whole life and I got to go out to Arizona or New Mexico or wherever it is. Like, I think you're just looking for an excuse to say, look at this shiny gold star I got.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, Okay. Let's see.
0: Raman asks, how can I prepare for an interview? Also, should I ask questions about the school during an interview? So, step one. Let me introduce uh, the great medical guide to the medical school interview. <laughs> Brought to yes. you by Dr. Ryan Gray. <laughs> um, so, I think step one, get a book. Uh, listen to some podcasts. Watch some YouTube videos. Uh, but, the best way to prepare for an interview is how Scott
1: practice, 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 practice. practice. Yeah. You, know, you can practice with us. You can practice with in the mirror. You can practice with friends or a professor or, you know, a lot yeah. of, a lot of schools offer mock interviews mm-hmm. through their mm-hmm. career development office or whatever. So there's lots of, uh resources available to help you help you with a uh, an inter- with interview practice yeah. and uh, definitely to the second part of that question absolutely uh most interviewers are going to at the end of the interview it particularly ask you if you have any questions being if your first if the first thing that comes out of your mouth when they say that is uh then that's not mm,
2: good No, you no, be good. prepared yeah.
1: Be prepared yeah. for a question. I th-
0: I thought we were gonna get a little uh, Doctor Seuss when you were like, you can practice with us. You can practice. <laughs> like, you can practice in a box. You can practice with a fox.
1: <laughs> <sighs>
0: too many kids' books in my life, really, right?
1: <laughs> but that's a good one. <laughs> Ten apples up on top. <laughs>
3: Doctor Seuss. Uh, okay. Sorry, just we're getting some real micro questions today. So I'm looking for some ones that I think are relevant to everybody. All right, this always comes up. Oh, sorry. Same person. Hang on. I'm ah, struggling. Here's a biggie.
0: Linny asks, would you say that it is still worth it becoming a doctor nowadays, despite the fact of graduating with a big debt, long-time training, burnout, and bad hospital admin? I've asked this question to several blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, so (laughs) I don't know how this is any different than it's been in the past. Uh, You go to medical school, you get lots of debts, you uh, always have bad bosses anywhere in life. Um, I I think at the core, uh, I get this question a lot as as the physician in the group here. Um, The core of being a physician at its core is you and the patient. And that never changes, right? Once you're behind closed doors, it's you and the patient uh, in that relationship there and you trying to help this person go through whatever they're going through, whether it's just a a regular old well visit or a new diagnosis of cancer. And uh, the goal of getting clinical experience, getting shadowing, all this stuff is to continually prove to yourself that it is worth it. So I can't answer. It's Varinia, Scott, Rachel can't answer if it's worth it. Only you know if it's worth it for you. And so you need to go get clinical experience. You need to go get shadowing. You need to ask questions. And you need to take all of the answers with a grain of salt. Because I can go find plenty of physicians who are miserable. And they don't like being a doctor. And I can go find just as many who love their job. And so uh, just human nature is the people who are not happy are the loudest. Uh, and those who are just loving their job are just going about their job and they're not going on social media going, Oh my gosh, I just want to tell everyone I love my job. Right. That's just not what, what we do as humans. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're the only one that can answer that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish more people would say that though.
3: Yeah. Show the good side
2: <laughs> of medicine.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well,
0: or it's a weirdness, anything. right? because we don't
3: always reward that kind of um, brag, you know, yeah. like, you know, unless they kind of do it under the I'm blessed heading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Often people don't actually want to hear when you're happy.
0: You
2: yeah. Know? Sadly. It's
3: well, true. that's,
0: no. yeah, that that's where I get um, like specialty stories, the podcasts that I do mm-hmm. or e-shadowing even where I get to have these really in-depth mm-hmm. conversations with physicians they're not going to come on unless they really want to talk about their career and their job. Um, And so I I think those are, or uh, those are the conversations that students should be listening Mm to a specialty stories.com, just a free podcast to hear physicians who do love their job. Yep. Mm
3: -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, obviously being a physician is, Is a special kind of calling, right? It's not for everyone. But I remember years ago when I was studying, like you know, organizational development and just like you know, the psychology of people at work. um, I'm sorry, I don't have a source on this, but one of the studies that we we were looking at in school was people tend to report the things they dislike about their jobs, right? So they hate their boss, they hate their coworkers, whatever. But if you, there was like the study that did like a mood check where it was just self-reported, just. Various times of the day, like breakfast, you know, throughout the morning, afternoon, evening, weekend, with family, with co-workers, the times that people tend to be the most upbeat are when they are at work. Yeah. So we all go around saying we hate our jobs because most of us just resent the fact that we have to work for our survival, right? That's all a job is. It's just like I have to do something to keep living. Um, and, yeah, we tend to be happiest when we're at work. So. Oh no, let them bitch. They just bitching is part of their existence. Sorry, YouTube, you have to put me out now.
0: I I don't think that's a banned word. (laughs) It's it's a female dog. That's all. That's all we're talking about.
3: (laughs) All right. Uh, Here's an
0: interesting one. Andrew asks: Does being a D one collegiate athlete help with getting into medical schools? One of my favorite questions. What helps? Uh, is this thing better? <laughs> is this thing better? What will, quote, help me stand out on my application? Verinia, what do you think?
2: Sadly, Andrew, <laughs> um, I wish I could say yes, absolutely. You're an athlete, boom, you're in. Um, it's all a part of the bigger picture, right? Is it, you know, what did you learn from that experience? Like, did you develop as a human being as a leader as a you know whatever from that experience so it's it's not just that one single thing um so it's definitely just you have to look at it bigger picture along with all Mm -hmm. your other wonderful qualities um Mm -hmm. that's what's going to help you get into medical school not just the fact that you're an athlete Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah i think actually you know uh, from what i've seen over the years being an athlete a d1 athlete varsity athlete can can often be Uh, make it difficult uh, because the timing, Mm -hmm. the the time that you're committing to that activity is significant. (laughs) And I've seen a lot of D1 athletes come through that have, you know, really uh, sub substandard uh, GPAs Mm -hmm. because they are so involved in their, in their activity that it makes it difficult for them to do, you know, as well as maybe they had wanted to do, in mm-hmm. classes, and so that can that can be a a a, a, di- a little bit of a disadvantage. Now, if your GPA is a little bit lower, let's say it's a three four as opposed to a three six or seven or whatever, um, then I think admissions committees will look at that and recognize, okay, there's you know a, a huge commitment to this uh, sport activity that has a great deal of value. And, uh, it, it, you know, will we give them a little bit of wiggle room there in terms of, you know, what we're what our expectations are uh, because of that? And and I think frequently, yes, the answer is yes. Now, what what I would say is you, the to the issue of your question is, does it help with getting into medical schools? And I don't think that's the way you want to think about it. Yeah. I don't think that's the right the right sort of mind mm-hmm. frame to think about it. It's it's just as Verini has said, it's a part of the of the whole thing. And, and what, what you're going to be needing to do is to talk about in depth and in a deep kind of very reflective way what this has meant to you and why this was important to you and what you've learned by being a, an athlete, exactly what Verini was saying. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, D1 athlete, uh, Olympic athletes going to medical school, former professional athletes um, mm-hmm. like, uh, I forget his name, Rol, uh, who's now a neurosurgeon in Boston, former, former football player. Um, it's just interesting, right? It it's, yeah. doesn't necessarily, quote, stand out. But as humans, we are always interested in something that may be a little bit different or just looks different than, Oh, research, clinical experience, shadowing. So I, I, I don't want you to think about it as it's going to help you stand out. But yes, it's obviously interesting. Mm-hmm. And if you convey impact uh, and good reflection on that experience, mm-hmm. then somebody will go, "Oh, that's really interesting." Let's. Mm-hmm. I want to talk more about that. Let's invite yep. you for
1: an interview. Yep. yep. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, and I think there's, uh, Scott, you touched on this a little bit, but just to kind of confirm. It doesn't replace anything else. Nope. Right? No. Right. Oh. Uh, Scott mentioned GPA, but the number one thing I've seen with athletes is, well, I didn't have time to do clinical or mm-hmm. shadowing. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. well, it, it, being great at soccer or lacrosse does not replace uh, doing bedpans every day and still thinking, yeah, I want to <laughs> be a physician. Yep. <laughs> you know, right. Like, you still got to get in there and do the stuff. Um, um. So I wouldn't say it's a disadvantage in terms of your application, but I would say maybe a disadvantage to you personally, because you're a lot premeds are already really busy and you're an even bu- busier pre-med. So you just got to find a way to fit in all the stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. <sighs> <Ooh. laughs> uh, what is your opinion on Caribbean medical schools? So, uh, I'll give you my one liner. Uh, don't go to a Caribbean medical school unless you have to go to a Caribbean medical school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I would, I would say, I, I actually told that once to a Caribbean medical school, uh, admissions representative at a conference and they're like, yeah, we agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they know their place in this world. It's, it's not to, um, be equivalent to, U.S. medical schools. I think they are an option for people who, for one reason or other, can't uh, get into a U.S. medical school. But yeah. with step one going past fail, level one going past fail, um, uh, my assumption is that step two will just carry the the burden of uh, of the the kind of test score to help filter out for residency applications. Um, We have more and more medical schools in the U.S. opening up every year, and that's just going to put more pressure on Caribbean medical schools. Um, If you do happen to go to a Caribbean medical school, if you can't get into a U.S. medical school or for one reason or another, you don't want to wait to get into a U.S. medical school, Google the big four Caribbean
1: medical schools and and don't go outside of those. Yeah. Yeah, not and that that was exactly what I was going to add, Ryan. Is that not all Caribbean medical schools are the same? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, very important to recognize that they are going to, you know, talk about selling. They are going to sell out the wazoo uh, themselves to you and, and how great they are and et cetera. But the the big four and and you know, I, I think you know, staying in within the context of the ones that have been around for a long time. And uh, and that have a, a good track record uh, is, is what you want to do if, if that becomes necessary.
0: Yeah. Right. Mia asks, if I am young, but have all the extracurriculars, clinical experience, etc., do you recommend a gap year?
3: She did do a quick PS that says eighteen, nineteen.
0: Eighteen, 19, not the 17, the, mm-hmm. the student that reached yeah. out to us recently. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, what, what is the challenge with, with youngins? Uh,
3: well, so sometimes it is not having clinical experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mia says she has, although she's 18, 19, I'm wondering how much she has. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of clinical experience is hard to get before you're 18. The other part of it that's a little bit more subjective is maturity, right? And um, I am not an ageist. I've seen a lot of uh, young people who were in their late teens, early 20s who had more emotional maturity than some of the boomers I know. So I'm not saying that because you're young, you're not qualified. But we talked a little bit earlier in this session about core competencies, about the soft skills, about um, you know resilience and leadership and collaboration and cultural sensitivity. And those are all things that take time to develop. So, if you are 18 or 19, which for most American teenagers means a year or so out of college or out of high school, then what I'm going to wonder is how much time did you have to work developing all those soft skills? Mm-hmm. Um, and your essays are a chance to show some of that before the interview. So... You have to have some pretty compelling stories. And I'm not just talking about like writing good essays. I mean, like your your personal statement and your ECs are going to have to show some really powerful stuff um, to make us think that you're mature enough. Um, So do you need do you need a gap year? Maybe. I don't know what life you've lived.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. I agree.
3: But, having said that also, i
2: I'm a huge fan of growth years because yep. I feel like the more distance you have from this process, the more you understand what you're getting yourself into and why you're doing it. So don't feel like you have to apply because of your you know, some timeline you've heard about, and oh my gosh, medical school is seven years long or however long it is. Um, i I encourage it if you have an opportunity to do it. Take a take a break, take a gap year, take a growth year, and and just kind of live life a little bit. Um, it makes for a lot deeper reflections later on when you're writing your activities and your personal statement.
1: Yep, mm-hmm. I agree mm-hmm. wholeheartedly.
0: <sighs> Marcus asks How many credits in a post back do you need for schools to screen that first? I'm a nurse applying the cycle. After leaving my DNP, welcome to the dark side, Marcus, (laughs) finding, finding the light. Um, So, Scott, we often talk about credits and postbacks and everything else. I I think the question that Marcus doesn't really uh, or some of the details that Marcus doesn't provide for us to best answer this question is what is the postback for? Mm -hmm. Right. Do they have good grades already through undergrad, through nursing school, et cetera? And they just need the prereqs? Or are they using it as an academic enhancer type program because they Mm -hmm. need better grades? And I think Mm -hmm. potentially those are two different answers.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I I think, Marcus, you really um, need to think about, you know, why are you doing a post back? You know, some of that may be because of prerequisites that you need to get that weren't included in your nursing program. That makes sense to me. If it's because of a substandard GPA that you're trying to, to, you know, build back up, uh, then I think, you know, I usually point to 40 to 45 science hours as a, as a, uh, you know, as a goal, uh, to, to say that th- this is significant enough, uh, number of hours to give a a medical school confidence that this is real and 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 all sciences nothing but sciences uh is what they're looking for
3: all right it's 152 we probably have time for one or two more questions
0: saba asks is an international student who did undergrad in us placed on an equal footing as a domestic applicant What's the biggest concern question admiss- admissions officers might have for such international students? Mm-hmm. So no, the answer is no. Uh, if you are an international student, you are classified as an international student. Mm-hmm. the The big concern typically is number one, you don't have access to federal funding, uh, loans. So uh, you're going to have to secure funding elsewhere, whether through private loans or family loans or whatever. And so when you apply, if you're lucky enough to get in, you're going to have to prove that you have lots of money to pay for medical school. Uh, that's the first big issue. And then the other issue I've heard, and Scott, maybe you have a, a different view as well, uh, but the other issue I've heard talking to medical schools, uh, of admissions of medical schools, their big concern with international students is the back end, the, 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 the side of things. If a international graduate graduate school, um, and applies for residency and then has some visa issue, then that potentially looks bad on the medical school of like, Oh, this student is coming from this medical school, but we actually don't have them as a resident because they're stuck in limbo with a visa issue and and they can't work or whatever. And so absolutely Mm -hmm. huge concern there. Yep. Bethany asks, if you could give a pre-med who is also a parent one piece of advice on applying, what would it be?
3: Should we each do one?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Crickets, yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) All right, I'll start. Uh, Yeah, so since I only get one, other people will chime in on (laughs) other things. Uh, Round up your troops and figure out how they're helping you, right? If you're going to do this, it's a team effort, so... Friends, family, maybe kids, depending on how old your kids are. Everybody needs to be part of Bethany's going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And how are we all contributing to making that happen? Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: And good luck. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my advice would just be time management. Uh, very important because if you're a parent, Uh, And also pre-med, you got a lot on your plate. And so having a good sense of time management to be able to balance all the different things that you're going to be having to do both as a parent and as a pre-med, really important. Yeah.
0: So I, I have two. I'll, I'll cheat. I have two. One, one comes to mind because uh, this happened recently, where I kind of got into an argument with a mom uh, about, like, well, I, I don't have clinical experience or I don't have recent whatever. I'm a mom, and they'll understand that. And, and the answer is no, right? Going back to our D1 athlete question, yeah. uh, it's, it's not five kiddos. Darn it, Bethany, you're amazing. <laughs> um, <at> my) ideas. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right.
0: Hopefully, hopefully wow. it's a good age range there mm-hmm. where they're right. definitely helping out. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> there, there isn't an excuse of oh, you're a parent, therefore these things that we generally expect, you you don't have to do. Maybe you can do less of them, and there's some expectation that that that's okay. You're you're busy. Um, the other thing is, <laughs> don't use your kids as like props for every essay every interview answer if if kids fit into an answer somewhere organically great if not don't try to force them in just because you're like well i'm a parent and so uh so those are my two
1: bernie yeah um
2: so as a parent myself i think we we tend to kind of feel guilty for not being able to go to every event or every activity, um, talk to your kids, just say, look, I, you know, I'm going to try to do what I can, but I may not be able to make it to every single event that you have in school. I still love you. I'll still, you know, be here when you need me. Um, just the taking their perspective of, of it as well. Um, just kind of reassuring them that while your time is now going to be consumed by this, um, that you'll you'll be there when when they need you um, and, and letting go of the guilt if you can't uh, make it the mom guilt oh yeah. that mom guilt
0: yeah.
2: um, they will be okay hopefully you have a strong support system I saw the eight the, the kids are ages three and a half to 13 so you have some older kids in there who can help yeah. out um, but but being okay with that being okay with I may not be able to make it to all your events but I love you I will be there yeah. when I can um, and then you know they'll they'll be okay yeah. yeah good and, luck,
1: <laughs> you know one other thing I would add to all this, Bethany, is what you are doing is going to be a huge, huge example to your kids mm-hmm. about what is possible,
0: and Definitely.
1: that that it's never too late just to, mm-hmm. to to go for your dream and so keep that in mind in terms of that guilt part- part of it. That I understand that you, you may not be at everything, at, just as Verenia was saying. You, you, it's going to cause some repercussions mm-hmm. to what you're going to be able to do. But keep in mind that what you are doing, and if you make those kids a part of the process, as Rachel suggested, just let yourself rest in the fact that you are being an example to them mm-hmm. of what is possible and what hard work will, will do for you, and that it's never too late to pursue uh, your dream so keep that in mind that's a good way to end yeah it is See, on a uh, on an up note i agree <laughs> yeah
0: bethany how how far out from applying are you i, I would i would love to know yeah
2: yeah, yeah. oh how cute <laughs> they help her with the flash oh
1: nice <laughs> that's awesome nice
3: I
2: love that's that. really think cool. of what they're learning too oh yeah skills. absolutely
1: awesome. absolutely I that's, love that Bethany that's that's really cool.
2: Oh this cycle. Ooh. Oh this
1: cycle will, you Fantastic. know kudos to be you Bethany for for yeah. for working you know hard and this is this is really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, everyone,
0: for joining us live for Ask the Dean. We are back better than ever, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern. We are typically here on Mapped.tv, so come hang out with us. And then I do a solo Instagram Live, typically Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern. So come hang out there as well. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye, Bye, everybody. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.